Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's Euphoria. My name's Dan, and I tell people that my favorite color is green, but it's really gray, which is depressing. (laughs) My name is Jimmy, and I have a funny folder at work. (laughs) What is a funny folder? For my email. It's literally just like all my emails that I get that that make me laugh. What? My main thing that always makes me laugh are um, standards and practices emails. Yeah. Because it's all just like people swearing or whatever. So it's literally just an email saying like... Don't say this yeah, or whatever. Yeah, don't say f*** in here. Sorry, Jim. But like, <laughs> it's literally just like emails that just say like um, a number and it'll say like the time code that it comes up and it just says f***. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. And what's your response? Do you actually edit that out or... No, no. I, like those emails that I get... They're not really meant for me, but they're good things to um because some things they'll like let slide by because like they don't really care. Yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't say where I work, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> you can bleep that out too. Yeah. Um, that channel doesn't really care um about like some stuff that they say or whatever. So it's nice to have. So they're not like so I don't bring it up to them. Be like, hey, is this okay? Yeah. So it's uh usually that's how it goes but it's cc'd yeah those are usually my my uh my funny folder email sometimes me and my friends will just bs all the time Hmm. um like uh there's one email that always makes me laugh is uh my buddy drew um his initials are dk Hmm. and um he just like sent me an email saying like oh this is fine and then uh signs off with dk so i sent him an email that's just donkey kong I was giving say. a thumbs up yeah, <laughs> and it makes funny. me laugh every time must be nice to work with people your own age and mentality yeah i work with a bunch of old women who barely know how to use email <laughs> yeah so gray huh it's yeah. your fave pretty much i mean it's pretty neutral like yeah gray is nice because it's a neutral palette like it's not like so hard on the eyes and stuff right. like that but it sounds depressing if someone's like oh what's your favorite color and you're like gray yeah and you tell people it's green? Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, it used to be green, probably yeah. just because of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I still like green. Yeah. If we want to get really, like, finite here, yeah. um, I don't... I mean, your birthday's on St. Patrick's Day, so yeah, that makes sense. I don't really have a favorite color, but I, yeah. I do have a color season. Yeah? Do you know anything about that? No. So, in the 70s, it was very popular, especially, mostly amongst women, right? that um, you could go to, like, beauticians counters in stores, like, people who do the makeup and stuff, mm-hmm. and they would look at you and your skin tone, your hair color, your eye color, and yeah. they would they would ascribe you a color season, which would be, like, a group of colors that they said would look good on you, basically. Oh, okay. So, I'm, um, I'm what would be called a winter or okay. a water- or a cool. Oh, okay. So, depending on your school of thought, I like blues, greens, yeah. turquoise. Okay. I don't like orange, red, yellow. Yeah, those are a little... Pink. Yeah. Know, those are... Especially on my skin tone, Jim. It's just yeah, a little harsh for me. Not going to be good. What would your color palette be? I don't know. Um, It could I'd also like be a... like an autumn, which is like brown, burnt orange, gold. 
Yeah, I like the mustard. Gr- yeah, I like wearing like the greens, the blues, cool uh, colors. Yeah, I like the cool colors. Yeah, I have to say, like lately, like I've gotten into a little bit of like the like the weirder like mustard yellow, oh, olive wow. green, yeah. things like that. But yeah. generally, I think you're safest in like a blue or a gray. You know, let's let's just be safe. This podcast is really boring without Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be talking about poop or something. (laughs) Yeah. My poop is cool colors. (laughs) Yeah. Every week on Talk Me Into, we have a little segment that we enjoy called Talking Ourselves Into... Just a little fun thing we've been doing for the week that doesn't warrant a full episode or maybe we're all talked into it because that has something to do with me because uh, <laughs> I am talking myself into uh, getting back into Bob's Burgers. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. I need to do that as well. Yeah. I mean, um, when I was in college, I was hard into Bob's Burgers because yeah. um, I think it like just recently got added to Hulu or something. And um, yeah, no, I F with that show real hard. Um, it, it's so good. Like, uh, I am yeah. the epitome of, of Bob Delcher. Yeah. Like everything that he says and does. I'm like, oh man, that is so me. If I was like a father. Yeah. I have to show you a owner. picture of a friend of mine, him and his wife went as Bob and Louise. Oh, that's cool. And it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show too, but I fell out of touch with it. Um, cause I was watching it like on cable, like when yeah. it aired. Same. And when I lost cable, I just fell out of touch with it. Yeah. And, um, I miss it, but it's not one of those things that I think of immediately to seek out. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, I was just, I was actually, funny enough, I was trying out the show Gravity Falls. Have you heard anything about the show? Yes, my niece likes it, and I've watched a few minutes, and I'm like, this is actually pretty decent for a kid's show. Right, yeah, so I was starting to watch that, and I was like, this is good and enjoyable, but I immediately went to Bob's Burgers because Christian Shaw is in both of those, yep. and um, I was like, oh, you know what, I need to finish Bob's Burgers or at least catch up with it. So I, I went back to it and um, I can't believe how good the show is from the very beginning. Like the yeah, first season, is, yeah. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Uh, the first episode is the health inspector episode where um, they have the health inspector there. And of course, shenanigans ensue. They all think that um, Bob is selling human meat <laughs> because he works next to a crematorium. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Mort the mortician is so funny. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it is plus, good right off the bat. Plus the whole Belcher family is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't believe the second episode. I think it was the second one where Bob is trapped in the wall, which is also so good, too. Oh, yeah. All like, right. <laughs> yeah. Linda's great. Such great cast. We've seen them yeah. live, do live readings at Comic-Con and stuff. Yeah. Have you been to any of those? No, shows? I haven't seen any of those. Oh, yeah. I've only, I haven't been to, I haven't been to Comic-Con. I don't know how long. I think my last one was 2015. Yeah, mine was a long time ago too, but one or I think the last one we went to, they did a live reading. They did a panel with a yeah, live episode cool. reading. Yeah, H. Sean Benjamin is so good in anything that he does. Mm-hmm. Were you an Archer guy? Have you ever watched Archer? Uh, no, I know what it is, but I haven't yeah. seen it. I had an ex who was really into Archer, and that show was yeah. good too, but Bob's Burgers, man. I go way back, dude. Oh, d- I'm a Dr. Katz guy. Oh, right. I forgot he was on that show, too. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. Uh, Dr. Katz's son. He's also the uh, the can in Wet Hot American Summer. Yep. Which is also a great... Uh... He's got that voice that everyone knows. Oh, yeah. So good. Dan, what are you talking yourself into? I'm also talking myself into a television show. Wow. Guys, this one may become 
I'm saying guys. By the way, Jeff's not here. Yes. He's, he's having a baby somewhere, like a grown-up. Yeah. Um, I'm also talking myself into the, to a series that could actually become a full episode, but I'm a little wow. reticent because I've given you guys shows like this in the past, and they were not <laughs> successful. Yeah. I'm finally talking myself into Netflix. Netflix's The Crown. Oh, okay. So, yeah. You do not sound like you're super <laughs> excited to watch it. So, nope. I think that this will just remain a talking myself into yeah. uh, segment. Does that have Jenna Louise Coleman in it? Or is I think of the other thing that she worked on. Jenna Louise Coleman. Well, she, funny enough, she was in a Doctor Who episode that we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Um, what do I know her from? So I have familiar. no idea. I don't know what you would think. Of well, from. I don't know. Jenna. Never mind then. Uh, it's got a lot of people in it. Yeah. Um, I just started season one. I'm literally like three or four episodes into it. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. It's honestly excellent. Really? Um, the acting is just Claire Foy plays the queen, Queen Elizabeth. She's right. amazing. I'm thinking of Victoria. That's okay. a different show. Well, Matt Smith. That's right. Is Matt in the Smith Crown. is in this one. Yeah. He plays Prince Philip, who yeah. is uh, the love interest, the husband of right. Queen Elizabeth. Um, so many good performances in this show surprisingly true to life like i've watched like a video on youtube like fact or fiction about some of the things mm. they seem pretty outrageous and yeah. so far they've all been true oh that's cool uh winston churchill is also portrayed by oh man don't do this to me now <laughs> always uh, so good the father from third rockford and the son jim oh uh he was in uh the first of the relaunched planet of the apes movies. i know who you're talking about but i don't know his name um Anyways, he's a very famous <laughs> actor. He was in the original Pet Cemetery. Yeah. We're just gonna keep doing this until, <laughs> until look Dan it looks it up. Um, Bingo! By the way, oh, I see a link here. <laughs> it's got a picture of him, but it still doesn't say his name. Wow, John Lithgow. That's what it is. Yeah. I knew it started. I knew it was a John, but I couldn't think of his last name. If it was anyone else in the show, I could have moved past it. But he is so good in this. Really? Oh, he's really good. He used to be like a uh, stage actor, right? He used yeah. to do. Uh, I think I heard him on WTF one time. He's excellent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like I said, four episodes in, but really enjoying it. I knew I was gonna like this show. Like it's right up my alley. Oh yeah, for sure. It was just a matter of getting into it. And <laughs> yeah. now, like as we're recording this, it's November fourteenth. Yeah. Uh, the fourth season drops, I think, tomorrow. Oh, cool. So it's very much in the cultural zeitgeist right now. <laughs> yeah. So I had to engage with it, and nice. um, yeah, if anyone's on the fence, check it out. It's really good. Wow. Jimmy and Dan were right. This show definitely is not as funny without me. And I mean, just because I'm literally in the delivery room right now, waiting for my baby to be born, doesn't mean that I don't have a talk myself into. Seriously, guys? I mean, right now, during one of the most important times in my life, I have the biggest talk myself into. It's not bob's burgers or the crown what do you guys just watch tv all day you guys don't have any real life things to do no this week i am talking myself into the voros twins that's right social media superstars the amateur pro wrestlers from canada twin brothers that got famous uh from saying da vinci instead of da vinci that's right. 
it's it's important to me right now in this these trying times in the year 2020 when everything is doom and gloom if you want some wholesome content just check out some tiktoks from the voros i'm not even on tiktok i watch them secondhand on instagram i'm I'm a grandfather at this point i still have a netscape internet browser at hotmail.com i don't even have aol yet I'm I'm still on the file share websites trying to find pictures of Britney Spears. Okay, that's where I'm at in my life. And this has been talking ourselves into this week. Enjoy euphoria. Hey Jim. Hey Dan. Do you like the idea of euphoria? Yeah, I will, uh, the TV show, the feeling. <laughs> the feeling. Yeah, no. sure. So uh, this week I'm talking you into an HBO series called Euphoria. Yes, I'm aware. Yes. Uh, it launched on June 16th, 2019. It's a Zendaya vehicle. It is, yeah. Uh, but I would also go so far as to say it's sort of an ensemble piece. Mm. Um, I know like Cindy Sweeney is a breakout star from that show. Yeah, there's a few people who have nice roles. Um, yeah. Maude Apatow has a nice turn as a Oh, I didn't character. know she was on that. Hunter Schaefer, excellent. Nice. In her first major acting role. Um, so Euphoria, it's like a teen drama, um, pretty dark. It's, yeah. It's not um, The Hills by any means or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, or like Mean Girls. Right. This is a gritty, realistic TV series that follows a group of high school students who are... Uh, dealing with the age-old issues of coming of age, Jim. Oh, you know, I like those. But they're coming of age in a world that is saturated by constant internet access, yep. constant media, uh, drug culture, uh, the hypersexualization of young people. Mm. So it's a new coming of age stories. Yeah, it's sort of, um, I remember you talking about this when we talked about Skins a lot. Yeah. And um, I could definitely see this as like a, a skins that set in 2019, 2020. Yeah. It's like skins um, where the people's problems are a little bit more rooted in what would really happen. Right. Um, it's loosely based on an Israeli miniseries of the same name. Okay. Um, it's produced by A24, which you love oh, to see. It's their first foray into television. I didn't know that, actually. Uh, it's also executive produced by Drake. Oh, okay. So you're going to get in your feelings when you see this show, Jim. Oh, nice. I mean, he was a child star, so. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Have I mean, you ever watched that show, Degrassi? by the way? Degrassi? No, I haven't. I feel like that's one of those things, like, it's fun to watch if you're, like, Yeah, it's sort of era. like you hate watch it, right, kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. I think the showrunner is a guy named Sam Levinson. Yeah. There's been some debate. I mean, overall, I think the show is pretty well received critically. Mm. Um, at varying levels, some people say it's sort of, um, like, what do you call it? Like, uh, aggressive or like, okay. uh, just for the sake of being, showing a lot of gratuity and mm. gratuitous nudity, nudity and drug use and stuff. Yeah. But I think at its heart, it really is a good character exploration of, mm. um, the lives of these predominantly female cast members. Yeah. Um, as you're going to see, there's definitely a wider group, um, that includes, you know, men and adults and things like that. But it's sort of a look at what it's like to be a teenage girl in America at this mm. time. Um, what's your exposure been to the show? Um, I've 
I haven't seen anything. I've heard the show is great. Um, I'm on film Twitter, so I see people tweeting about it all the time. Yeah. Um, film Twitter is not like a separate Twitter, by the way. We that's just like a, a thing people. <laughs> I'm say. also on film Twitter as well as Star Wars Twitter, and I dabble in black Twitter. Oh yeah, we've talked about that before. Um, but no, I've seen like the screenshots from uh, One Perfect Shot everywhere and um, it's it's pretty it's a pretty show yeah and i think they do make some interesting creative choices yeah as far as the look of it i mean you're gonna really have a fun time delving into like the lighting and the sound sound design of this show i've seen a lot of cool color uh, with shots and stuff too so i'm excited to watch it from a uh, filmmaker's perspective yeah um and just as somebody who enjoys these kinds of things um some like gritty like um even just like the shots and stuff are a little reminiscent of like moonlight and stuff. So um, I'm interested. Yeah. Um, this is one of those things that I would have watched regardless. So like this is just a good vehicle of yeah, you watch it. You know, we knew we were going to have a couple episodes without Jeff and this turned into a good one because Jeff's sort of lukewarm on the series. Right. He doesn't hate it. He doesn't love it. Um, he did watch the whole thing. So I guess he liked it to, <laughs> to yeah. some level. Yeah. Uh, the reason why we're watching it now um, is because... They had some production difficulties due to COVID, mm-hmm. but I believe they have enough stuff written and, and um, filmed that they are going to be turning out two individual specials. And the first one is coming out uh, to coincide with the release of our episode. Yep. Um, it's coming out on December 6th of this year. Cool. Uh, so it's very much in the cultural zeitgeist, Jim. Oh, always. Just want to give you a little, little loose overview of the story. Obviously, you'll get to see a lot more of it, but uh, yep. Zendaya plays Rue Bennett. She's a teenager who's actually in recovery. So okay. as the show picks up, um, she's already come out as an addict to her family, and mm. um, she's trying to deal with that. Um, she's sort of being pulled in two di- directions by her old group of friends who are sort of you know, more down to earth, well-natured, like good kids. And right. Like her best friend, Lexi, who's played by Maude Apatow. And then she's also got this other group of friends. That's a little bit more into the drug culture and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting dichotomy. And um, the wrench that's thrown into the works is there's a new kid in school, new kid in town um, named Jules, who's portrayed by Hunter Shrit. Schaefer, who is a transgender woman, and the character is a transgender woman. Okay. And uh, so it's about Rue sort of at this precipice. Is she going to get better and go forward in life, or is mm-hmm. she going to sort of go backwards to her addiction? And on top of that, she's got a new friend slash partner in crime. All right. Jules. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Zendaya. Like, every time I hear something about, like, obviously we all know her from the Spider-Man movies. Yep. Um, but um, I think she's great in that. And like everything else I've seen her in, I'm like, wow, that was actually really good. And I would argue that this is the property that propelled her to. Yeah, you know, like, like superstardom. Right. To yeah. show that she's she, she can really act. Yeah. She's like sure. uh, definitely a former Disney kid. And like yeah. you said, she had a good role in the Disney movie, the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. There's not a lot of depth to that character, right, yeah. though. Um, I think if you continue what you're going to see in these episodes, a spark of that. And by the end of the season, she has a performance in the final episode that's like pretty astounding. Wow. Um, I would love to give you that, but you will not know what the hell's going on. Okay. The show is very bingeable. You're going to go from one episode right into the next. I feel like you're going to get pulled through if you like it. Okay. Um, 
So yeah, I'm asking you to record, to watch, not record. <laughs> I'm gonna record it to yeah. watch my DVR. I'm asking you to watch the first four episodes of Euphoria, season one, episodes one to four. It's okay. available on HBO, HBO Now, HBO Plus, or whatever they have now. <laughs> yeah, all the good stuff. HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out the first four episodes, and when we come back, we're gonna spoil the hell out of them. All right, sounds good. We watched Euphoria, Dan. Euphoria. Yeah, uh, which is an HBO series. Yeah. Uh, starring all the actors we talked about in the first half of the show, so no need going over it again. Yeah, we will be spoiling the first four episodes. Yep, first four episodes. The first one is aptly titled Pilot. Yeah. And um, You love to see it, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, love to see it. Because they didn't know if it was going to be a show, and then they sent it over to the executives, and they said it's going to be a show. So the first episode's called Pilot. Yeah, I mean, that's how it works. Uh, one thing we should say that I forgot to mention in the first half of this episode, we talked about the creators and stuff. I yeah. think I left out the name Sam Levinson, who uh, I don't is, remember. He's the showrunner. Okay, I'm pretty sure I, I forgot to mention that, but this is this is his baby. Okay. Um, I guess there's been a little bit of a. Uh, uh twittering uh that that's a little problematic because he's Uh-oh. like a white cis heterosexual man who's like telling all these stories but Meh. i mean i think he does pretty well i think he does pretty well as a white cis heterosexual <laughs> man yeah I'm you have a very it. subjective uh point of view yeah but i mean like we said in the first half it is based on an is loosely based on an israeli miniseries um so there is some background that he's working sure. off yeah um it's produced by a24 so it's gotta be good yeah jim let's get into pilot so yeah so we uh we jump right into the pilot where we see uh our main character rue rue bennett Mm -hmm. who is uh not doing too too hot as we talked about before she is struggling with a drug addiction yeah popping them pills yeah uh, which is not good especially for a teenager of 17 years of age we do get a pretty artistic opening to this episode i wanted to you know we're not going to drive down too specifically into moments of this episode yeah but there is this interesting montage of her own birth and Uh, being into this world being born into this world literally three days after 9 11 and sort of she makes the allegory that she uh spent her first three days of life in the glow of a television mm. showing people jumping out of burning buildings and planes hitting buildings and stuff yeah um what did you think of i mean there's a lot of moments that are pretty Artistic. Are, yeah exactly yeah. the cinematography and the direction right. and stuff i wanted to pick your brain on it because that's something that i know you sort of focus in on oh you know i f with it <laughs> um yeah no um i was immediately hit off uh hit off the the bat with uh I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, really pretty and, like, really well done. And mm-hmm. obviously, like, the, like, prestige element to it is, like, the writing and um, in the uh, directing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no, it, it really hits you right in the beginning just talking about this kind of stuff and, like, how it sort of feels like, obviously, this is, like, a Gen Z show. Like, this is, like, right. people, Zoomers. yeah, all the Zoomers out there are going to enjoy it. Um but uh, yeah, Jimmy, it, it, Jimmy, are you a Zoomer or are you a millennial? I'm technically a millennial. Some would call me a zillennial because I'm sort of in between yeah. uh, millennial and Zoomer. Uh, but yeah, I'm I, I'm in the same way on the other side of millennial. Oh, you're like on Gen X and uh, yeah, millennial. I'm at the borderline of Gen X and millennial. So yeah. I, I'm I was 
curious to see your take on some of these themes yeah. as being at least closer to this age group. Yeah. So so Rue, as we just mentioned, was born uh, on September 14th, 2001. <laughs> yes. Uh, what year were you born? <laughs> 95. Okay. So you're a few years older. Yeah. But you're, you're sort I of remember that 9-11. Yeah. yeah. I was actually living with you at the time. Yeah. I remember 9-11 because I was 14. Yeah. So it's sort of a generational gap. Yeah, I get that. Um, But yeah, so Rue growing up struggled with um anxiety obsessive compulsive disorder yep. panic attacks um we're going to see that she also has dealt with depression mm-hmm. um rightfully so because yeah. uh, we find out later on her father had died from cancer yep yeah he was diagnosed with cancer when she was a kid and, and i think she was 11 no she was 13 when he died yeah um but we see that her first introduction to prescription pills is through her relationship with her father. We see this in a later episode, but I think it's important to get oh, okay. into now um, that she took some of her father's pills and she tells mm. um, Jules that this was the first time she felt at peace. Mm, yeah, I do remember that. That's later on, I believe. So she's definitely using drugs. Yep. Uh, to sort of medicate herself right yeah and her her issues because she already is on a lot of prescription medications yeah but they have bad side effects and yeah. she doesn't like the way that they, they make her feel yeah there's that interesting scene um when she's young and she has a panic attack because she's in class and mm-hmm. she says she started focusing on her breathing and just that mm-hmm. enough sends her into a panic attack yeah so definitely she's got some issues she's dealing with yeah but that's no excuse to oh yeah self-medicate and yeah um so yeah this entire episode sort of revolves around a party um uh this party sort of we find out who all the characters are yep um so we have um uh parties uh, at mckay's house right yeah mckay has just graduated so uh this first episode takes place at the end of summer break yes so rue has been in rehab all summer Mm -hmm. and she's back home they're about to start a new school year. Yeah. Um, McKay is sort of the star running back who has graduated and he's going to be going to college. Yes. And uh, did you find the makeup of the friendships confusing in this episode? Because the first time I watched it, I did. And then upon rewatching it for this pro- uh, podcast, I sort of got, you know, who's friends with who mm. and who gets along a little bit better. Yeah, it was sort of it, it took me a hot minute to sort of figure out like who's friends with who, but I don't think it really matters because everything's just sort of an introduction in this episode. Yeah. Um but yeah, we sort of like see all the different characters. Like we have McKay. Mm-hmm. Um we sort of get an introduction introduction to Jules in the beginning. Um somebody describes her as uh looking like Sailor Moon looking ass or something like that, which yeah. I thought it was funny. Um, and then we have, um, Lexi who is, uh, Rue's old friend from like preschool or something like that. Yeah. She's played by Maude Apatow. Yep. And, um, and then her sister is, uh, Sydney Sweeney's character, which I don't remember her name. Yeah. I have it here. Uh, well, I, let's, to make this less complicated, I like to split them up into three groups. Okay. So we have the jocks. Yep. That's McKay, whose house party it is. Yep. And Nate, who is, um, the star quarterback. Yep. Who is the antagonist of the show, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Cassie is the one you were referring to. Sydney Sweeney. So Cassie is dating McKay. Yes. And let's get into her group. So that's Cassie, Mm -hmm. Lexi, who's dating Nate. 
or has recently i'm sorry i'm screwing up that yeah no name. lexi is uh not dating anyone lexi is cassie's younger sister yes um and oh man i'm the names are, are tough in this <laughs> yeah because there's there are a lot like right off the bat there's cat who is um I don't know who she's friends with. Kat is part of that group as well, I would say. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who's uh, a virgin when we meet yes. her. She's like overweight and she's right. sort of like quiet and embarrassed and stuff like that. Right. She tries to cover up the fact that she's still a virgin. Yeah. But she definitely hangs out with Cassie and mm-hmm. Lexi. Yeah. And she has quite the arc throughout the uh, four episodes that we watched. And I'm assuming more. But yeah. Um, I'm still looking for the last name of Nate's on again, off again girlfriend, Maddie. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. So Maddie is someone who's been with Nate, but they've broken up. But they're right. kind of, it seems like they're on again, off yeah, again. Yeah, on again, off drama. again. Right. And then outside that group, we have Rue. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's call this the drug group. <laughs> okay. We've yeah. got Rue. Uh, we've got Jules, who is a new kid. She doesn't yeah. really know anyone yet. She shows up at this party. She'll be getting in there. Uh, and we got Rue's friend, Fez, who has dropped out of high school. He is the yes. drug dealer. Yes. I, I never knew his name, but I would just refer to him as the drug dealer. Yeah. And then he has, I guess, his younger <laughs> brother, brother. Yeah. Who's like a little kid. Oh, he's but my is favorite like the drug character. kingpin. It's so good. Yeah. So those are the groups that we're introduced right. to primarily in this first episode. Yeah. For the most part. Um, we get a little scene of um, Jules before she comes to the party. So Jules sure. is a transgender oh, yes. woman, girl. Yes. I think she's supposed to be 16 or 17. She's 17 in the show. And um, she's on what appears to be like Grinder or like a hookup app. Yeah. And she's talking to some dude who's named Dominant Daddy. Yep. Which is funny, first of all. Yeah. But uh, they meet up. At a motel. Very yep. unsafe. And it, it, it's uh, McSteamy from Grey's Anatomy. Apparently, this is a big deal, but yeah. I, I never watched Grey's Anatomy. Oh, so you're, I, n- you're, not a, you're not a big Grey's fan? No. So I, I recognize <laughs> this guy from things. Yeah. But I guess it made like national news because mm-hmm. in this scene where he hooks up with Jules, we see his erect penis. Yeah. I was curious if that was a body double or not. Oh, uh, but... I think this is really him. Oh. And it made big time news. <laughs> I mean, this show, as we're going to get into, is very like sex positive and also sex neutral. So yeah. they're showing nudity across the board. Oh, there's a lot of male nudity in this show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is right because it's yeah. told from a female perspective right. with female gaze and yeah. primarily female characters. Yeah. I agree. I'm not going to say like, oh, I like that, but I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's right is the yeah, way I right. describe it. Yeah. It's appropriate. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they have this very awkward unhealthy hookup yeah not not great she's basically used demeaned objectified right and you could see in her eyes that this is not what she wants Mm -hmm. but i think there's a level to jules that we'll see later that thinks that she's not deserving of Mm -hmm. like equal fair treatment yeah i mean maybe i'm placing that on her but the fact that she keeps going back to these unhealthy online right yeah it's not healthy and not great yeah uh and this guy's got a lot of issues as we're gonna find out hell yeah (laughs) um for sure but yeah he's not he's not comfortable like with his sexuality and stuff yeah he has a couple lines the only reason why i'm drilling down on this is because i think it's going to be important later on yeah but he has a couple lines like i envy your generation Mm. he's he's sort of like saying nice things but he's also putting her down yes, he's like i envy I your generation because you can go out and look this way and stuff like that and he's like you can act however you want and nobody cares yeah and he's like if i were you i'd leave this small town and go back to the big city 
but mm. selfishly, I hope you stay. It's yeah. just a crummy way to talk to someone. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are a couple things in the show that I'm not like huge on. Like I kind of get why they go with it because they're sort of pushing their themes, but the show is sort of like it's it's down on pornography, which I I get it because like pornography isn't healthy. But like Rue's going on and on about how like men will treat women certain ways because of like porn that they watch. And it's yeah. like I'm a viewer of those certain kinds of videos <laughs> uh on occasion. Uh sorry family that's listening to this but like it's uh i can see how people could view that as an unhealthy kind of thing Mm -hmm. and there are definitely kinds of unhealthy videos and habits from those videos yeah but um i don't know it just seemed a little like one-sided to me i agree with you in this first episode and the second episode right but i think as we follow cat and she gets into camming and things like that yeah and it it gets more into the realm of um like female empowerment right. and femdom and things like that. That's true. It it shows how especially this younger generation can work within that um sort of male dominated medium mm-hmm. and sort of steer it and make it their own to yeah. use like fetish to empower them and that's, things like that. That's very true. Um just another little funny thing, too. I was watching it with a friend of mine because she was interested in it. Like, we were just watching it at the same time. And um, there was a part where somebody got introduced or whatever, and they were, like, talking about their nipples and showing them to each other. And she was yeah. like, women don't do this. Huh. Like, girls just don't, like, show each other their boobs. Which yeah, that was, that was Maddie. And yeah, I think Maddie would. Yeah, but the rest of her friends are at varying degrees of comfort yeah, with it. I guess so. Um, but, uh, so yeah, we get, we sort of go through this party Mm -hmm. and, uh, through the party, um, I believe Rue is doing drugs. I don't remember exactly, but I remember there was a room spinning, like the NSYNC video. And uh, I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that Rue has been out of rehab for probably a, a week, maybe two. And maybe even less time than that. And she meets up with Fez and sort of tricks him into giving her drugs. Mm. She like tells him that she's going to pay his younger brother or whoever that kid is. Mm -hmm. But then when she goes inside to get the pills from the kid, she's like, Oh, Fez, I took care of it with Fez. So she just lies to them. And Fez is like, you still owe me money. Yeah. But as you aptly put, she's at this party. She goes in the bathroom. She snorts a couple lines of Adderall or right. Whatever. Oh, she gets those hallucinogenic. Oh, that's right. That she's not even familiar with. So she's just running the gamut of whatever (laughs) pills she can get her hands on. Yeah. Which is totally, I wouldn't say relatable, but relatable to somebody who is like into that sort right. of scene you know just doing whatever's in front of them and that's when the party sort of takes a turn because we start yeah. to see segments of it from rue's perspective mm-hmm. and this is where i think the direction of the cinematography is really beautiful in this episode i agree so the minute that she snorts those pills and walks out of the bathroom we get a cool sequence of her walking down the hall yeah and the hall is spinning spinning yeah so she's walking on the walls and then the ceiling yeah. and then she sort of comes back to normal but she's yeah now we see it from like um a third perspective mm-hmm. uh and we see outside looking into her yep. and the room is fine and we see that she can barely hold herself up yeah she's just stumbling and bumbling and yeah she's sort of an embarrassment like the crowd at this party like the general dialogue is like oh my god she's alive i thought she was dead yeah 
um yeah that was pretty much like the entire first episode everybody thought she was dead yeah from uh and we'll see in the second episode like what happened her overdose right so she had this dramatic overdose people were looking on as the ambulances took her away and then mm-hmm. she was gone for the whole summer right yeah so you could see makes sense yeah yeah now on the other side of the party mm-hmm. we have maddie who's decided that she's going to get back at nate yes and make him jealous by having sex in the public in the pool, pool. yeah in front of the whole party yep <laughs> with a random guy yes and uh nate is very upset with this yes uh and he's also very uh drunk and inebriated mm-hmm. so he basically is just like smashing through the house yeah he's lashing out right and um jules is there she has just arrived at the party yep. pouring herself her first drink pretty much just got there yep and she's sort of trapped in a corner of the kitchen as nate like goes crazy smashing things and everyone runs away he's like yeah. everyone get out of the kitchen right well, she's kind of in a corner and she can't get past him. Yes. So they have this very interesting confrontation. Yeah. So basically, he's just like, why are you looking at me? And she's like, I'm just trying to be alive. Like, I yeah. don't know what to say. And uh, he's just being crazy at her or whatever. And he, she's getting worried about it. So she like literally grabs a knife and is like. And right. Then, yeah. Well, before that happens, I want to talk about um, what he says to her. Okay. So he backs her into the corner and he gets right up in her face and mm-hmm. he's like, I know what you are. I know mm-hmm. what you're what you're doing. You think you can just come around here looking like this. So when I first saw this show, I didn't know that Jules was trans, trans. and I didn't know that the actress who uh, plays her is right. trans. So I didn't put that together. Oh, okay. And I was just like, oh, he's like sort of criticizing her for the way she dresses. You know, Mm. she dresses very like colorful. Right. She's like an anime character. Yes. Her makeup and stuff. She's like an e-girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he confronts her and he's obviously like being very transphobic. Yes. And he's like, I know what you are. You can't come around here. Don't look at me. Stuff like that. True. So I think she perceives like, as we know, now we're recording this the day after Transgender Day of Remembrance. And what I posted on our Twitter is true that the statistics are like really alarming. The the rate of violence among transgender women is, is terrifying. And so I think Jules knows that she's she's sort of stuck in this corner against yeah. this guy who's probably going to hurt her right just for being there and being trans just for existing right so as you said yeah she grabs a knife and then cuts herself yeah she seems like she's threatening him right. he backs up yeah and she she does like one of these types of things that you see like in mob movies she's like you want to get crazy let's get crazy <laughs> yeah and she like slices her arm yeah. really bad and then that freaks him out and yeah. basically just like pushes them away. But. Yeah. The, she she manages to disperse him in the crowd enough to get to leave to get out. Yeah. But Rue has overseen this whole thing. Yep. And she's like, that Are chick's you okay? cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. So she chases her out. And then, yeah, a friendship is born. Yeah. She's like, are you OK? You know, they go back right. to Jules's house. Rue helps her clean up her cut. And yeah. they sort of like have this sleepover. Yeah, throughout the episode, too, it's, it's cool because Rue is a narrator throughout the entire show. Yeah. And um, it's cool because she's describing, like, things that uh, Jules is telling, has told her, like, in the future, basically. Yeah. And um, is saying, like, what happened and all that stuff. So, like, you know that they're going to be friends, which yeah. is funny. Um, because they're not together throughout the entire episode, and then they are at the end. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, we're putting this all together. Right, and they do a good job of... Um clarifying that rue is the narrator and it's not omniscient because they go so far as to say in the scene in the motel where uh jules meets up with 
dominant daddy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you know, Jules told me about this later. Right. Yeah. So I think that's important. I also want to touch on one last thing, which is sort of how the episode ends. We get this um, sort of beautiful bird's eye view, like crane shot pulling up from the bed of yes, Rue and Rue's, Jules. Right. Yeah. In Jules's bed. And it's really nice. It's beautiful. And it's also important because throughout this episode and a lot of times throughout this series, they sort of make a big deal on Jules like passing mm. and her femininity instinct, things like that. Yeah. And I think it's really important that they they sort of strip away Jules's clothes and she literally strips down to her underwear in the scene. Yes. And it becomes clear that Jules is transgender. Right. This is like, I think this is an important way of looking at or, or showing the realism of the trans community in a way that's not shown a lot. Yeah. When we see transgender women on TV show and movies, they're so often like, the, it's such a huge deal is paid to them like passing. Right. And look yeah. how feminine they are and things like that. Well, the idea that these people exist and they look, you know, they have their own bodies that don't have to try and look like cisgender females. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that they just show that just that yeah. it exists in film in a popular TV series is really important for people to see, you know, images of the way their bodies look on TV. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, and plus, that was just also a really cool shot, too. It was. Didn't it, didn't it back out to, like, you can see, like, all the other rooms of the house, too? Or that was another episode. Okay. Yeah, that was in Rue's house. Yeah. But, yeah, just I just think that's nice that they're willing to show all sides of, yes. you know, what it is to be transgender. And also, it's, it's very bearing, like... Jules bears all in front of Rue. She has, right. like, even at this early stage of this friendship, she has a trust with her, and Rue doesn't back away from that. She mm -hmm. comforts her and cleans her wounds. And Yes. And then in this episode, uh, at the very end, we also find out that uh, Nate is uh, Dominant Daddy's kid. Son. Yeah. yeah. We see, like, um, Rue's narration is like, remember how I told you that things were going to get weird? Yeah. And we see Nate drunkly stumble into his house. He's walking up the stairs and there's a family portrait. Yes. And his dad is Dominant Daddy. Oh, yeah. Yes. I thought that was very uh, kind of I kind of got it because of like the different parallels. But yeah, I was uh, I was like, oh, OK, I get it. Yeah. So then we get right into the second episode. Yep. Which is a flashback of Nate as a child. who is yep. watching his dad's sex tapes. Yep. I don't know how else to put that more bluntly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, basically. His dad's creep and is uh, recording all of his sexual encounters and has them um, color coded. Yeah. He's also like recording them without the other party knowing. Yes. Uh, Big old creep. Yeah. And he's clearly taking advantage of predominantly like young uh, men and transgender women. Yes. Uh, and yeah, that's a very strange thing for a young impressionable boy to see mm -hmm. of his father. <laughs> Uh, but Nate seems to have an obsession with them. I don't know if it's a sexual thing, if it's um, mm. like a scary thing for him, but he's definitely like engaged in watching them. Right. Yeah. And this uh, episode is also titled Stuntin' Like Your Daddy. Stuntin' Like My Daddy. It's so good. Yeah. Well, these episodes are all named after like hip hop oh, songs. songs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they fit the theme of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this is also it shows how Nate's father's idea of masculinity has sculpted nate mm. so he has this uh conversation with nate as a child about how um you're strong and you're like he talks to him like he's a 
like a stock animal. He's like, mm. you're strong, you're well-bred, you you know, you have everything going for you. Yeah. He's alluding to the fact that he's like an upper middle class right, white yeah. male. And he's like, and nobody's going to want you to succeed. Right. So you have to fight even harder to like throw it in their face that you're the best and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like this very... <laughs> wrong thing to teach a young man Agreed. yeah uh there's also a weird thing too like i i sort of got it because of continuity but it just like stuck out to me is that the kid had a very fake mole on his chest mm. and then he will he like grew up and then it's nate and then he also has that mole on his chest and it was just very distracting i was like did we really need that but whatever yeah i mean that i think I guess it's like a continuity his thing third but nipple or whatever yeah um it was just weird and very distracting i was like eh, we could have done without that but okay yeah well, i think that's their way of showing you that it's the same kid i guess but uh um what was i gonna say so nate grows up perfecting his body and being this ultimate uh masculine young man and stuff like that he's working out he's eating right yeah. he doesn't tolerate um there's a sequence in here where he's talking about how he mentally goes over everything in his mind that he loves and hates about women, which is like yeah, crazy objectification. He's like, yes. he hated his mother because she was weak. Yes. And he's like, he hated anything. Now, again, this is very reflective of what he saw in his father's videos. Right. Is that he only wanted hyper femininity. He didn't like when girls talked like boys, yep. sat doesn't like want boys. Their, yeah, doesn't want their arms to have any hair on them and stuff yeah and it's very interesting and uh this is what he initially liked about maddie, maddie that yep. she's small and fragile and hyper feminine and hairless and right you know she's the head cheerleader and uh they have an extremely unhealthy relationship oh yeah uh doesn't seem like he has any interest in her except for uh violent sex yes and her just being sort of an accessory on his arm Right, yeah. We also see a montage of him in the locker room. Talks about how he's like the star champion football player, but he hates being in the locker room with other men because he hates how comfortable they are being nude. Oh, nude, yeah. And he's like, um, he always made it a point to make eye contact with them, but every once in a while his gaze would slip. <laughs> yeah. So he has some issues with uh, yeah, for sure. his sexuality and things like that. I don't know. I have a hard time trying to figure out through the course of this season if Nate is gay or bisexual and can't come to terms with that, mm. or if he's just so scarred by seeing his father in gay relationships, gay sex, yeah. that he's legitimately like has an aversion to yeah. male sexuality. I think he has an unhealthy uh, perception of, uh, obviously, just men in general um, and like. Well, and women. And women, true, <clears throat> right. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think he has a strong aversion to it. Yeah. I mean, the way he chooses to, and the aversion becomes then the possession too, which we find out. But. Yeah. And the way he chooses to have sex with Maddie though, is very like violent. He like yeah. holds her down facing away from him. Very reminiscent of the way his father had sex yes. with Jules and the other yes. people on the tapes. Right. So this is what he has learned is how men have sex, which is very Again, unhealthy. We keep coming back to that, but yes, I agree. Uh, just a couple other highlights of this episode too. I started to really uh, appreciate the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was great. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly, it's all scored by one dude. Um, I don't remember the name, but I was like, "Ooh, I gotta look up the soundtrack because that sounds really cool." Yeah. Uh, another thing that we get in this episode in relation to that, Jimmy, is uh, 
We get some really beautiful cinematography. The last episode ended with Rue asking Jules if she wanted to get high. Yes. And we see that in this episode. So they pop the hallucinogens. Right. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> they're in like this little bed fort that they make. Yes. They're staring at each other. Right. And yeah. the use of color is oh, really yeah. beautiful. Every this. time that they're on drugs, I'm always like, oh, man, you're on drugs. But on the other hand, I'm like, ooh, I get some really cool shots that they get to watch. Yeah. Which um, is cool. There's a. Uh, there's a really cool effect that they do with they're wearing this glitter makeup. Yes. And I want to say now, maybe you could speak to this more, but to me, okay, it's one thing when we see from the third party perspective of their glittery makeup, mm-hmm. but when we're in Jules and Rue's POV, yes, I think that they replace that makeup with green. Oh, it's super, like green screen. It? Yeah. And green screen because it has a three-dimensional feel. Effects, yeah. So Rue is wearing it under her eyes, and it looks like it's sort of melting. Yeah. And when you look into that, it has like a galaxy thing. Like, it has depth. Right. Like, you're looking through her face. Right, yeah. And the same thing with um, Jules. My guess is probably I could definitely see them doing that. Yeah. Um, I'd have to watch it to sort of figure it out again. I watched it about a week ago, so I don't remember exactly, but... But I think the makeup in general on this show is, good. like, really good. Like, Jules really good. and Maddie have this thing with their eye makeup. That they're changing it to match their um, outfits and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like really well done. I think they actually won awards. Oh, they were nominated for uh, makeup and hairstyle. Um, They've been nominated for a lot of stuff to do with uh, costuming and makeup that I Mm. think is well-deserved. I definitely agree. Also, in the second episode, we flash back to Rue's overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, and how she has a lot of guilt and shame that her 13 year old sister found her. Yes. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really messed up and you could see she cannot really come to terms with that. She's still running yes. from it. Yeah. For um, sure. throughout the season, we see her get emotional about her addiction a few times mm-hmm. and it's usually connected with the fact that she let her sister down. Yeah, for sure. And like the mom really guilt trips her with it too, which is also an unhealthy thing to do. Yeah. Um, And uh, there's also a flashback too, I believe, in this episode of uh, we see Rue helping out her dad. Yeah, this shows the first time she took the drugs. Right, yeah. And uh, lying in bed with him, taking care of him because yeah. mom, her mom had to take a second job. And um, she's just like, yeah, she, he didn't even know that I was like out of it because he was also out of it too. And yeah, there's two more imp- important sequences in this episode that I want to get to. Sure. Um, so in the first episode at the party, Kat had broken away from her group and had decided yes. to lose her virginity to a random guy. Correct. Uh, it seems that that was filmed. And now that video is circulating online and she's freaking out about it in this episode. Yeah. Um, until she finds out that the video was uploaded on Pornhub without her consent. Consent. But it has like 82,000 views already at yeah. the after like being on there for right. like a couple days. Yeah. And she sees a targeted ad that says like, you can make money with your right. videos. Yeah. And sort of that just like lights a spark that will become important in future episodes. Right. Um, the last sequence we see is Rue gets stuck in the rain after riding, you know, hanging out with Jules. Mm-hmm. And she drops in on Fez's house because I, th- I think she just happened to be in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. So she goes and raids his closet to get like a pair of like, f- you know, dry socks and a, yes. a dry shirt and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, you got to get out of here. You can't be in here. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's got his supplier coming. Right, yeah. And this he, is probably one of the most intense scenes yeah. of what you've uh, had us watch. Yeah, so go through sort of what happens here, Jim. So basically, um, Fez is like, yeah, you can't be in here. Uh, you got to leave, but it was already too late. So He's like, this guy is a bad guy. I don't want right. you here. Yeah, so um, of course, he shows up. Mouse. Uh, yes, and um, basically, he uh, he's talking to Fez about this sort of drug or whatever. And he's like, well, why don't you try it? Talking to Rue. Well, first off, he's a really scary dude. Yes, he is. He's covered in face tattoos. Right. He's kind of like Tuco for this show. Yeah, basically. But even like he's less verbal and less like overtly threatening in his personality, which is sort of more scary. Scary. Yeah. Um, And the drug that he's trying to get her to try is fentanyl. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, if you are following the news, is basically has led to tons of overdoses right because it sort of has similar effects to heroin but Mm. is a lot less stable and you just literally just die you just stop breathing and your heart stops beating right and it's the ratio of overdoses is way higher with fentanyl Mm -hmm. so rue and fez do not want rue to do this yes but he's pressuring and he's getting more antagonistic yeah and uh yeah she basically just does it yep yeah and she like passes out she just nods off right yeah and he starts to allude to rape yeah which is not cool and uh i was like oh this is very uncomfortable uh it doesn't i don't think it goes there um unless it happened off camera but no he um he stuffs like more fentanyl into her pocket and he's like okay now you owe me three hundred dollars oh right and she's like i don't have it and he's like oh well you have to pay me some other way and he starts like rubbing her thighs and then fez is like i'll pay it right yeah and he's like well for you it's 600 yeah so he's obviously like the whole time there's a lot of tension. Fez is like reaching for this gun that he's hidden inside his couch. Right. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to get to that point. Yes. Very tense. But yeah, he just pays him. And then just Fez is just like, oh, he's like, this sucks. Like, right. Rue's just there like passed out and stuff. And he ends the episode by calling Jules and mm-hmm. saying like, I need your help with Rue. Like she's right. real messed up. We also find out that uh, Jules is talking to a new guy. Yeah on this sort of grinder app mm. turns out it's her uh dominant daddy's son nate yeah we find that out but she doesn't right yeah but he knows it's her yes she's uh, open about her own profile i right. don't believe she's seen his face in any of the pictures no and uh he's lying he's saying that his name is tyler and right, stuff yeah. which if you've connected is the name of the guy that, that had maddie sex banged. with maddie <laughs> right yeah and also in this episode we yes. get Nate showing up at Tyler's house. Yes. Beating the shit out of him. Yes. And threatening, like, if you place charges on me for beating you up, I'm going to tell the cops that you raped. Yes. Uh, we got to backtrack. Sorry. There's a lot of plot in this episode, which there I forgot is. about. Yeah. But Maddie has decided to go back to Nate. Right. And the way that she's gotten herself out of trouble is by saying that she blacked out at the party and Tyler basically took advantage of her. Right. And also said... And I guess Nate is like 22 or 23 or whatever. No, Tyler. Tyler, Is yes. 22 years old. Um, And she's 17. Yeah. Yeah. So Nate, because his idea of masculinity is like having full control and protection of right. Maddie, goes to Tyler's house. Beats the shit out of him. And does this weird ritual where he showers in Tyler's house and steals Tyler's clothes. Oh, yeah. That was weird. And he's like, if you press charges, you'll go to jail for longer than I will because right. you raped a, a minor and all this right. stuff. Yeah, not cool. And now he's telling Jules that his name is Tyler. Yes. So that's going to 
yeah. probably be a, an issue. Right, yeah. So episode episode three. Yes. Made you look. Yes. This is a cat episode. This yeah. This uh, starts off with cat. I like that you're noticing that we're sort of having Going a new character different... focal point for yep. each episode. Similar to Skins, I uh, sort of mm-hmm. put those two and two together, which, by the way, I found out was on Hulu now. Mm. So uh, now I can actually finally finish that show. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, so we're getting through Cat's um, sort of... Uh, early days where she is a tumblr fanfic writer well before that we see how she gained her weight right yeah which is sort of integral to this shame that she goes through life with true that she's going to part with yeah but yeah like you said um she sort of gains some weight she loses her boyfriend which that scene is very heartbreaking for me very sad um and then like you said, she becomes internet famous. Yes, which is very funny because I don't think I've ever seen anything that's sort of like that because I was a big Tumblr guy when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it or whatever. Um, and like I followed people that were like, quote, Tumblr famous or whatever. And um, it's just sort of funny to see like a TV show about it. Well, not about it, but this. Well, these are the things that I think it. makes this show more authentic to right. like Gen Z. Yeah. Than a lot of shows that try to be. Definitely agree. Um, there was also a, a moment too that uh, had a little bit of animation too when they were talking about the fanfic. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. It was slash fic. It was like Harry and oh, one right. of the other one guys direction. from One Direction. Yeah, that was very funny. And um, so there becomes this sort of dichotomy in her personality between being like super popular and loved online, but right. ignored and you know not look not sought after in real life. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny, too. It's sort of like you sort of see the motivation, too, behind cast decisions with the hub. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, oh, I sort of get that because it's sort of already like what she is or whatever. She just kind of wants to build upon that. I think she wants to, throughout the course of this episode, connect the two sides of her personality. Yeah, definitely. Or become more in real life like she is online. Right. So online, she's sort of this more comfortable sex positive uh aggressive person Mm -hmm. and i think she's trying to bring that into her real life yes and um throughout this episode too we sort of see the uh uh budding relationship between uh jules and nate unknowingly Mm -hmm. uh, just through text message conversation which is very funny because um you know like whenever you watch a tv show it's sort of like the relationship builds between like people seeing each other Mm-hmm. And like going out on dates and stuff. And it's like, oh, wow, this is like real life where people are like texting mostly throughout like the course of their relationship or early on in the relationship. It's more virtual than yeah, like uh, television will make you think. So there's a really a sad what I would call like a subplot to this episode. Yeah. OK, so we have like in the foreground, we have them talking about how Jules is falling in love with this guy, Tyler. Yes. And that's talked about and stuff. The subplot to me is that Rue is falling in love with Jules Mm. and neither one of them really knows it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that until way later. Mm -hmm. Um, But upon my rewatch, you start to notice things like we say we see that Rue was really scared by the fentanyl thing. Yeah. And she's been clean since that. Right. Yeah. And she's. She's really staying clean for Jules Mm. because Jules has this conversation with her along the lines of like. 
I'm not going to be friends with someone who like wants to kill themselves. Right. And if you're going to be like this, we can't do that. So she gets clean. Right. And then when Jules finds out like Rue's been clean for two weeks, she's like really happy and hugs her and kisses her. Mm -hmm. And Rue like has a big smile, which is not something you see from her a lot. Right. Yeah, for sure. Also, we get in this episode that Rue is becoming really jealous of Jules talking about Mm. Tyler all the time. Yeah. So I think this is sort of really sad is that. Not only is she falling in love with Jules, but she has to watch Jules fall in love with someone else and mm-hmm. act like it's okay and like they're just friends. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this episode. It sort of feels a little bit more like a filler episode. Um, I I don't think it's filler. I think it's, I think it's stage setting for future conflict. Yeah, I could see that for sure. We get, um, okay, when it comes to Drew's, uh, Rue's addiction... Yeah. She comes home after the fentanyl thing and her mom's mistrusting of her. And, you know, she decides between what Jules said and what her mom says that she's going to clean up her act. Yes. She goes to the N.A. meetings, um, which she's been lying about. She's been saying she was clean and she's not. She's been saying she's been going more to them and she's tricking the N.A. like counselor guy into signing her paper (laughs) by threatening to expose him as a pedophile or whatever. Perv. Yeah. So now for once she's standing up in front of this crowd and she actually is sober. And yes. although she's not 60 days sober, which they're all, you know, right. sort of praising her for. Yeah. She has a little self pride. I think that. Yes, I agree. But I also think she's overconfident and thinks like, oh, I'm good. Because at the end of that meeting, um, we meet Ali, mm-hmm. who is a guy who played sort of has this like wizened mentor type role. Yes. Yeah. Um. I forget this actor's name, but he's really good. He's I in see him in every year of the Walking Dead remember, yeah. and some stuff. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't. I think want to say his name first was. name is Dominic, but I'll, I'll look into that. But okay, uh, um, bingo card and everyone. So he, but I'm gonna keep talking. <laughs> yeah, he confronts Rue outside of the meeting and is like, "Hey," um, he sort of like hits right to the core of what upsets Rue. He's right. like, "Oh, who found you when you overdose?" And she's like, right. "My little sister." And he's like, "Yeah, that's tough. That's probably gonna scar her." probably ruin her whole life <laughs> yeah and rue like breaks down he's like i just wonder like how you can get up here and lie to all these people yeah and say that you're uh 60 days sober when you're not yeah for sure like literally went through right to her core yeah um but uh whatchamacallit the way it affects her she's she's too overconfident she's like mm-hmm. yeah whatever and she takes off he gives her his his number and he's like hey if you ever want to get together and have pancakes and talk Give me a call. Mm-hmm. And she's like, whatever, dude. She takes off. Um, I forget what happens with her after that, but. Um, some- well, I know at some point, I think it's towards the end of the episode where she basically wants to relapse and wants to go back to drugs. She goes back to Fez's house and starts smashing on the door and Fez won't let her. Right. Well, she did relapse before that. That's right. When she was at Jules's house. Yeah. Uh, she had a moment where. She like kissed Jules and it was like uncomfortable right, yeah. and Jules was not into it. Right. Yeah. And Rue like was she played it off. She's like, I'm going to go get some water. Right. She goes downstairs to get water and she sees a bottle of pills. Right. Yeah. She I takes remember that. She, she, <clears throat> she takes a couple pills and takes off. Yes. And now she's like fully back into it. She's yep. upset that Jules has sort of like spurned her. Jules doesn't love her the way that she does. Mm hmm. And Jules is in love with Tyler. Yes. And 
she takes off and uh, gets high. And this is the scene that you're talking about where she's in her bedroom at home in her parents' house mm-hmm. and the camera pans up and we see this like doll oh, right. cross section of the house and stuff right. like that and she's tossing and turning in bed. Yeah, that, that scene looked really cool. The other thing plot-wise in this is um, uh, Nate's been getting texts like crazy from Jules because right. he's secretly Tyler. Yes. And Maddie is getting annoyed by it. She's noticing right. something's up. She doesn't trust him. I do remember that. At one point, she's like, who keeps texting you? And he's like, oh, it's just my dad. Yes. So at one point when she's when he's in the shower, she goes into his phone. She can't find the texts, probably because they're like in an app. They're right. not in a text thread yeah. or whatever. But what she does find is a whole bunch of dick pics. And we find out they weren't his. Mm. No. They're definitely not his. Yeah. They're they're a lot of different people's dicks. Yes. So uh, she's pretty upset by that. She asks like cat cat. She's like, is sexuality a spectrum? <laughs> yeah. And they have this weird conversation. Yeah. Um, where Maddie is just like uncomfortable and nervous about these pictures and what they mean and things right. like that. Um. The thing that causes the rift between Rue and Jules is Jules finally tells Rue, like, oh, I'm going to finally meet Tyler. Oh, right. After this carnival, we're going to meet up at this, like, abandoned park. And Rue's like, that's not safe. Yeah. And Jules becomes upset. Jules says something here that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Because in the first episode, we see her meeting with Dominant and Daddy, and it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very dangerous. Yes. But she says one thing that I think is really smart for the writers to include. She says to Rue, I don't get to meet people in a public forum. Like, I don't have that Mm. um, privilege like you do, where everyone expects you to, you know, meet a guy and go on a date and things like that. Right. She's like, sometimes it has to be on the DL. Mm. And she's like, this is a risk I'm willing to take, basically. Yeah. So they fight about that. And that's when they, they, they eventually do, like, come back together. Rue goes to Jewel's house and she's like... I'm just scared for you. I want to be safe. And that's when she kisses her. Yes. Correct. Then we get to episode four, which is the carnival. Well, one last thing is is the scene that you touched on, because I think it's one of the most powerful scenes in the show. Yeah. Rue shows up at Fez's house, desperate for drugs. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Fez. Now, don't forget the last time we saw Fez was when Rue took the fentanyl. Right. Yeah. And he's decided no no more. I'm cutting her off. Right. So he won't let her in the house. Yes. And she loses it. Yes. And this is what when you see what it is to be an addict. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. She's doing saying anything to try to get in that house. Yeah. So first she's like begging and conniving and scheming. Yeah. And then when it becomes clear that that's not going to happen, she gets really visceral and mean. And mm-hmm. she's like, don't try to take your high ground now. You yeah. did this to me. Yeah. You gave me these drugs. You, you know, you sold it. You made money off me. Yeah. And you, you ruined my life. Obviously, it's a really well-acted scene, too, but it's also really good writing, too. Yeah. Um, but I, I love her performance in this. I think it's probably her strongest performance that uh, we saw. I mean, this is what, what won her the Emmy, in yeah, my opinion. For sure. She won an Emmy for Best Actress for this right. show. And um, it's one shot. It's intercut mm-hmm. with, with seeing Fez inside the house. Right. But you see her get to this level. Yes. She amps up from, like first being like try to kind of chill and calm and she's like oh come on it's no big deal and right. then she goes to full-blown sobbing screaming yeah it's really well done she leaves fez's house she calls ali how about some pancakes oh yeah and that's, that's how right. the episode ends that's right then we get to episode four which um i pretty much titled the carnival episode mm. 
Yeah, it feels sort of like it goes hand in hand with episode one, which is a party episode. Yes. We see a lot of the same cast. Yep. Um, we see varying levels of inebriation like the first episode. Yeah. The use of color in this episode is great. The way the fireworks play and things like yeah. that. But yeah, let's get into this one, Jim. Uh, yeah, so this one sort of reminds me of like a uh, combination of like skins and like Dear Simon. You haven't seen Dear Simon yet, have you? No. Oh, that's good. Um, there's a big portion of it that takes place during a carnival. Mm. Um, sort of reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's sort of like this uh, interplay between Rue and Jules. Jules wants to meet up with um, Tyler. Tyler and uh, Rue's not having it. Well, I will say that, um, you know, we talked about who the last couple episodes seem to be focused on. This one yes. feels like a Jules episode for yes, me. Yes, it is a Jules episode. We get a flashback to her, to her as a kid. Oh, right, too. That was in the beginning. Um, Basically, her mother put her in a psychiatric hospital because yep. she was um, she was suffering from, like, gender dysphoria and, and doing self-harm and stuff like that. Yes. And the mother, I believe, was, like, unwilling to accept her transitioning. Right. Yeah. Which is not cool. Hmm. Um, but we also sort of get that little bit of uh, Jules's backstory, which they've alluded to her having yes. issues with her mom. Right. Um, what else is happening in this episode? A lot of it is at the carnival. Yeah. Um, McKay and Cassie have a fight. We haven't really gotten into their relationship a lot, but right. Um, again, not very healthy. Yes. McKay is self-absorbed and more concerned with his football career and stuff like that. And right. And Cassie overcompensates and tries to please everyone and things like that. She doesn't seem to really have her own, I don't know, will or her own like course for the relationship. Right. She just wants to keep McKay happy. Yeah, basically. And at the carnival, um, he like doesn't say that she's his girlfriend oh yeah i forget i think i think it's to nate's parents or something he has a like oh and who's this he's like oh this is my friend cassie or something right yeah he just like downplays their I relationship do you remember that which upsets her and uh she ends up taking mdma with maddie yes like molly and yes that's when again crazy colors and lights and stuff yes like that. it's really well done um there's also an awkward scene between jules and nate's dad mm-hmm. um Nate Nate's dad is working at like this uh booth basically at the carnival. Yeah. And um basically Jules sees him and is like, Oh, I hooked up with him a while ago and then Rue was like, That's Nate's dad. Yeah. And um she's like, Oh shit. Um and um because of course he's like a big guy in the community. I right. forget what he runs like a big business, a real estate yeah. firm or something like that. And um Rue is like here I'll prove it to you and like goes to talk to him and he's like acting super awkward yeah um at one point he finds out that she's 17 and she's he's super worried about that so that's why he's like oh shit what's happening mm-hmm. um then we sort of get to a scene which is like equal parts sort of like I wouldn't say heartwarming but like on the other hand it's also like he's trying to cover his own shit like confronting her later um where he's like listen i don't want any trouble or whatever oh you're talking about nate's dad and jules yeah yeah um which is sort of like oh i get it he's like scared and he's just basically just saying like forget it ever happened but on the other hand it's like you should have figured that shit out by yourself buddy yeah and um it's almost like it's just another example that he doesn't really regard her he's only concerned with like how it's gonna affect his life yeah i agree uh, there's a little scene, too, where Cassie, who's on Molly, like sort of hooks up with a guy on the carousel. Yes. And uh, 
I don't know how to read this scene. Like part of it feels like a bad decision. Part of it feels like self empowerment. Um, mm. It's it's sort of confused to me, but I'm okay with that because I think a 17 year old on Molly probably would make confusing decisions. Yes, I and agree. I don't know if it really means anything to her. Yes, uh, it feels just visceral. Like, hey, she's on a carousel and she wants to make out with this dude and get felt up, and that's what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maddie goes a different direction when she's on MDMA. And she decides to confront Nate about the dick pics. Right. Yeah. How does that go, Jim? Uh, not too well. <laughs> uh, Nate basically freaks out about it, um, strangles her, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not pretty at all. It's very not good. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it's just very unhealthy and very, very gross. We also get Cat's uh, been having this flirtation with a dude from her science class. Ethan? Yeah. Yes. And they sort of go to the carnival together or meet up there and spend time together. Right. But then when they separate, I forget why, he went to go get a drink or something like that. Yeah. Uh, She sees him talking to another girl. Yeah. And she like is immediately like, ah, shit. Yeah. Because it's stereotypical, like skinny girl. Right. And all her like self-confidence goes out the window. I Mm -hmm. mean, we saw in the last episode, she took her cam money and went and bought a whole new wardrobe of like these sort of like dominatrix inspired bustiers and things like that inside she hasn't really like healed the issue Mm. she has with her self-image and that comes like boiling back right um she ends up like finding some random like older guy and hooking up with him right and it was also funny too because we find out they weren't even like talking to each other like talking talking right it was immediately it was just like oh it was nice to see you or something like that it's a shame because ethan really does seem to like Like her yeah i agree but she doesn't have the self-confidence to believe that right yeah um yeah there's this whole sequence where rue is trying to find jules and then rue is trying to find gia everything was really confusing and sort of like out there but i think it was supposed to because Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like a druggy episode it's She's high and she's in the chaos of a carnival. Right, yeah. But you're right. She ends up like sort of stumbling on Gia who's like hanging out with older boys and she's yeah. stoned. Yeah. And Rue's not happy about it. Right. Um, And you see that the fear that Ali put in her about what she had done to her sister. Right, yeah. With her drug use and things like that. For sure. So then I think we should really sum up with the denouement of the episode, which is the big confrontation. Yes. The meeting up of uh, Jules and Nate. Mm -hmm. And um, immediately, as soon as Jules sees Nate, she's like, Tyler. And then obviously it's not. It's Nate. And um, well, it is. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, she freaks out, is trying to leave. And he basically like stops her and be like, I am Tyler. Mm -hmm. Like this whole big thing is like you were lying to me the entire time. You're a dickhead. Get away from me. And what the big thing is that he lays a threat on her. Yes. He's like, I forget what he wants, but he's like, I have all these pictures that you sent me. Yes. And that's child pornography. Yes. Uh, which is a really fucked up thing in this country, especially yes. like with a generation of people who, like Rue says, have learned to like barter in nudes and stuff like that. That's very common for their generation. Uh, so he's like threatening her i think what he knows i think he knows that she hooked up with his dad Mm. and he's like um sorry i'm just sort of reading through the my notes on this (laughs) fine um yeah so he basically says uh unless she keeps quiet about her relationship with his father he's gonna leak her nudes and she'll 
not leak them, but send them to the police and say that like she bartered child pornography. Mm. So obviously that's very terrifying to have that held over your head. Yes. And uh, on the other hand, didn't he send her nudes too? And he's also underage. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's sort of that was like my linchpin in this, where I was like, she can easily just get him back with that too. Yeah, but maybe she can't prove that it was him because yeah, he used a fake know. name and fake information through yeah. all the texts and stuff. I don't know. I guess, but uh, mostly, I think it's just a scary threat to her. Yeah, and she's also heartbroken because she was like falling in love with this guy. Right. Yeah. So I think it's. Fifty percent with a threat. Yeah, fifty percent afraid of the threat. Fifty percent like you lost someone that you were right. like thought you had in your life. Yeah, I agree. So she goes back to Rue's house, and it sort of ends with them kissing in a yes. non-friend way. Yes, which is interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Also, makes me kind of dislike Jules a little bit. In what way? That she's basically just like using Rue. I. I don't know if I'd say using, but I do agree with you that I think uh, she's not dealing with the ramifications of what this kiss is going to mean for Rue. Right. I think for Jules, this is just like comforting and yeah. she gets physical touch and she gets right. the you know emotional embrace of her friend. Yeah. Uh, for Rue, I think this kiss is going to mean more. And I think it's sort of selfish of Jules to, to do that without contemplating the repercussions. Mm. Um, overall thoughts, Jim? Um, overall, I really like the uh, production of the show. The cinematography is great. The acting is phenomenal. Um, we all know it's a joke. It's a meme. Ha ha. Jimmy likes coming of age stories. Um, it, it's a very well done one. Uh, I definitely saw a lot of comparisons with Skins while watching this. and mm. I'm a big fan of that show personally. Have you seen any other Gen Z coming of age stories that that feel this close i i kept thinking of Mm -hmm. this as like an r-rated or hbo version of eighth grade i could see that especially like the scenes where rue was discussing dick pics and things (laughs) like that yes i could definitely see i think that's probably the only other like gen z sort of thing that i've seen Mm -hmm. um because i don't know i'm just older now i don't know well the people making movies and tv shows tend to be older so yes um but yeah it was uh I don't think I have anything else other to say other than uh, ask me the question. Jimmy. Yes. You know, I want to find out from you afterwards, too. What, you know, we'll get into this. But, Jimmy, was I able to talk you into the HBO series Euphoria? Yeah, I finished it. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, <sighs> part of me is happy that I finished it. But the other part of me... Uh, I was a little disappointed by the end. Really? You know, yeah. I've heard this complaint and I absolutely love the end. Really? What were you disappointed by? I was disappointed that I disliked oh, every character. We should towards probably the end. say spoil, yeah. spoiler free. Let's, right. Let's not get into spoilers. But um, yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything. But I, I, like I just said, I think I disliked all of the characters towards the end. Huh. I was like, oh, man, they're making all the wrong. Dis-. Like, I get it because they're kids. Mm. Um, but on the, on the other hand, I'm sort of like, yeah, I don't know. Don't you feel like it propels you to a season two, though? Or like these standalone episodes? You're going to watch these, right? Yeah, I'll watch the standalone episodes. But if they don't blow me away, I might be done with it. Um, I'm I'm saying yes, because you talked me into finishing it. And plus, I was watching with a friend who really wanted to finish it. Um, but yeah, towards the end, I was like, oh, I kind of hate Jules. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics, but right. there are some things that are not great that yeah. she does. But uh, I mean, there's a big... Again, no spoilers, but there's a big like 
showpiece, a big set piece sta- scene at the at the end of the Variant. last episode that is pretty amazing. I was disappointed by it. Oh, Jimmy. I was really hoping for something a little bit better. Um like I, it was impressive. It's so dramatic and creative. Yeah, it was impressive. It reminded me a lot of um the the first yeah, the end of the first season of Skins it reminded me of. Mm. That's why I was sort of like, oh, I've seen this before. I never got there, so. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of like, not saying expecting it, but like I wasn't blown away by it because I've never seen anything like it before. Mm. Um, but it was fine. Yeah. I mean, one thing I do want to ask you. Yes. Uh, I think that this first season, or at least the episodes we watched, is um, sort of divisive. Mm. Meaning, I think that you either really like this show... Yeah. Or you really don't like it. Maybe you're a little bit more lukewarm than I thought. Yeah. But I was expecting either a hard yes or a hard no. And I mm. and what do you think of Jeff's explanation? Because to me, I can't understand that he was like, it's okay if I miss this episode because I don't really care about it. And then I'm like, oh, did you give up on it? No, he watched every episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think maybe because it's so short and bingeable mm. that like it's sort of like, eh. Like, yeah, I might as well finish it. I'm I'm sort of on that sort of spectrum of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was thoroughly enjoyable and I liked everything that I saw. But um, story wise, I was sort of going a little bit more cliche than I was expecting it to. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, that's I kind of wish they did something different with that. Or, well, I um, think the season ends up in a place that the next stuff we see is going to have to be very interesting. Yeah. Because they've put our characters in really bad situations, all of them. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's some way that I could uh, start liking the characters again. But um, yeah, I was sort of expecting more out of Jules. And then she just sort of like, I don't know. I'm not going to say turn bad, but I was sort of like, eh. Well, the way they introduced her sort of gave her this like heroic type of theme. Yeah. And, and she's not. She's a flawed right. person who has a lot of issues in her past. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for where it's going to go. I, I, I'm glad they're going to be releasing something. Yeah. Because, obviously, they got hit by COVID, and, and uh, you know, that wasn't great. Yeah. So, Jimmy. Yes. I was able to talk you into Euphoria. Yes. Next week, I'm going to try to talk you into something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Oh, yeah? It was supposed to coincide with a very specific date for a movie release. Oh. That movie's been delayed. Yeah. But we're still going to talk about Dune. Oh, can we bring Jeff back? Yes. We're recording these in a very strange order, but (laughs) Jeff will be here. And I'm going to talk both of you into the novel, the sci-fi novel, Dune. Okay. I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. You haven't read it. Nope. So we're going to get into it. I'm going to ask you to read Dune. The first novel is divided into three sub books. Right. So I'm going to ask you to read the first of those, which is entitled Aptly Dune. Oh, that's not confusing at all. Yeah, so readers, listeners, get in there. Good luck. Check out Dune. Yeah. It's good. It's freaky. Jimmy, in the meantime, yes. where can people find the podcast online? They can find the podcast at Talk Me Into on Twitter, Talk Me Into Pod on Instagram. And if you feel so inclined, you can send us an email, talkmeinto at gmail.com, where we can read your reviews on the show, make a suggestion, just say that you love us. Yeah. It's always nice, man. 
Dan, where can we find people find you personally online? Oh, I'm easy. You can find me on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown. And you could find Jeff on Twitter Aww. under the name Jeff with five F's, the number 27. Yes. Yeah. Jeff FFF. I did this backwards, but <laughs> you know fine. the spiel. Oh, yeah. Jimmy, how about you personally? You can find me at son of a Fitch, S-O-N-N-E-V-A-F-I-T-C-H on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That branding, bro. Yeah. Got to get them on all the platforms. Get them. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Dune. 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 No, that's Star Wars. Oh, shit. How closer do you are? Are you to like an ending though? Um, I think I'm like two thirds of the way done. Wow, you're gonna have a long script. Yeah, it's gonna be long, but um, it's a lot of it's dialogue, and it goes really quick. Mm-hmm. Like you can read it, and it's going to be like a half a minute. Um, yeah, because so, generally the rule of thumb is a minute a page. Yeah, it's not like that with this script because it's literally just like all dialogue. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I gotta think of something. Oh, shit. Um, what were you doing when I was thinking of random facts? I wasn't. What have you been listening to, watching, doing um, lately? Have you checked out a new store, a new food? Oh, I, I know something I could talk about. You want to go first so you don't have to write it down? Yeah, sure. Jeff just Snapchatted me. Yeah, I got that too. It's probably something really dumb. Yes. Oh no, burning train. Cool. The new Bruce album. Oh, nice. I've I haven't listened to it yet. Actually, it's really good. It's been I downloaded it, but I haven't listened to it. Alrighty, Jim. Uh, you can bring it in. It's your episode. That's right, isn't it? It sure is. Let me pull up uh the wiki. <laughs> I look just like Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh, and you're Mary Tyler Moore. I don't care. We're just one of those bands that, like, I know a lot of songs, but I wouldn't say, like, I'm talked into them. Yeah. I don't... I'm kind of in the same place. Yeah. Like, I, I love a Weezer playlist, but... Right. I, there's only, like, two Weezer albums that I could actually listen to the whole album. Yeah. The first one, the Blue Album, and the second one, Pinkerton. Those are yeah. the best, in my opinion. I just updated my um my Discogs want list of just like out this is just like albums that I'll like go back to. So like if I'm at a record store or whatever and be like, oh what do I, what do I need? That's a good so, idea. Yeah, it's convenient. What'd you put on it? Oh man, I put like twenty things on oh. it. Oh, oh that's okay. I thought you meant specifically a Weezer thing. No, no. I I was thinking about putting the blue album on there, but I forgot. Somehow I missed the uh charging pad last night when i went to sleep oh that's the worst and my phone's on like 10 percent right now you done goofed i started watching the new animaniacs last night i saw it's really good the pinky the pinky and the brain 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 so obviously the whole thing is like fan service yes but is it still acceptable like can i show it to evie yeah they didn't like totally cater to their adult 
no 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 it's funny it's funny for kids too and it's still g-rated yeah what's happening with this pinky says hell at one point i was like oh i think she can deal with that yeah based on things i've only seen like three episodes but cool yeah i'm Uh, sorry i have to pee okay i can't hold it anymore (laughs) 